0: Thank you. It is the right of every man to podcast, free from co hosts, guests, and fringes. Even though others carelessly abandon their posts, I must rise, lest this network fall silent and unattended. It is the duty of a podcaster to fill the internet with podcasts, so this is control structure. This is episode 33, A Bloody Miracle, for July 3rd, 2013, with host Andrew Bailey. And now stop bugging me about it. Big week? Big week? Chris? Aw, darn it! Uh, well, it looks like Chris has actually left me for good. Apparently he's found a girlfriend, whatever that means. Anyways, um, how have you been doing, my listeners? Um, I hope you've had a, four- a great 4th of July. Um, whereas last Saturday, I spent the day with my dad. Um, that wasn't as bad as it sounds. We uh, walked around Heinz Field where the Steelers play. Um, that was rather interesting, and then uh, we uh, went and had a sandwich, and he drove home. So, yeah, uh, have fun with that. Uh, on the meanwhile, I've been uh, playing Fallout New Vegas, uh, that's been rather interesting. Um, but if you've been uh, playing something on with the Ubisoft, uh, especially their Uplay stuff, uh, you might want to change your password because they just got hacked really bad. So, apparently all you just need to do is uh, log in, and the very first thing they want you to do is uh, uh, you know, change your password. So, go ahead and do that, why don't you? Uh, speaking of other gaming news, since this uh, network no longer has a gaming show, mind you, um, Dark Spore has uh, apparently had a few online hiccups recently. Um, this was a game released by EA almost two years ago. I remember that uh, uh, Chris got into the beta, and he sent me an invite, and when I was going through my email about, I don't know, two weeks ago now, that uh, I came across the beta invite that he sent me. I wonder if he actually got it. I guess we'll have to ask next week. Um, but anyway, uh, Dark spore was finally released, and... Uh, recently they've been having some uh, server hiccups apparently it's one of those always online games so you have to have an internet connection to do even single player and when the company's servers go down it's uh kind of bad because apparently no one can play your game when that happens and that's been happening a lot with this game And uh, there's been some quotes on EA's forum that suggest that EA doesn't know how the hell to do software development and support software. Um, But uh, apparently that's been fixed of late. So, I mean, this is kind of a bad thing. Uh, For a while there, it was even taken down off of Steam. Uh, But it looks like it might be back up on there. So have fun with that. Um, in Kickstarter news, uh, NetGain, uh, the game of John Gosling, the one guy that was on here a few months back, uh, NetGain, his game, has uh, finally entered into a sort of pre-alpha. Uh, so now Chris can finally start playing that, and he can stop bugging me about it. Uh, he pretty much, uh, Pretty much almost every other episode he's been asking me about it. So, it can finally tell them right now. Uh, In fact, uh, that was released, uh, I believe it was Monday morning. But, on to this week's Kickstarter of the Week. Uh, It's not actually on Kickstarter, but it's on Indiegogo. uh, Space Janitor Season 3. Apparently, they're trying to raise money for this. This is a web series about... uh, Janitors on board a space station. It sort of takes place within, uh, Star Wars. Um, you know, there's, you know, the evil Dark Lord and there's the huge space station and the huge laser that can blow up planets, but that's not the focus of everything. It's more of the day to day, uh, workings of, you know, just a normal guy doing his job. Uh, or rather, guys, since this sort of follows a team of people. And uh, it's a really hilarious uh, series. I first uh, watched it when I was on The Escapist last year, and I've been uh, waiting for the second season to come out, and apparently they already did that, but they uh, decided to go with YouTube for it. So now that, uh, you know, I can look at it in pretty high definition when YouTube wants to cooperate. And I pretty much caught up on all the season two episodes, uh, last night. And thankfully YouTube did cooperate, uh, which is a, uh, bloody miracle. So, uh, go ahead and, uh, watch all of that and, uh, chip into, uh, season three if you, uh, feel like it, if you think it's worth your money. Raspberry? Raspberry! Raspberry! It's just not the same without them. Or anyone, really. There's actually a business that actually co-locates websites and uh, in, like, into a data center using Raspberry Pis. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, apparently it's kind of cheap. Uh, I think it might actually be for free. Yeah, free space in our data center. So apparently you just send these people your pie and uh, they'll host it for you. Uh, Meanwhile, the Taliban of open source, our good friend uh, Richard Stallman, uh, has been inducted into the 2013 Internet Hall of Fame. Uh, I believe the Internet Hall of Fame is a rather recent uh, thing. And that's pretty much why I haven't heard of it before. And, uh, you know, he's pretty much the crusader of free software and all of that. Uh, thank goodness he sort of lightened up a little bit. And he, uh, you know, realizes that proprietary software in certain instances can be a good thing, but it's still kind of bad. Um, at least he was uh, sort of upbeat and positive about Steam coming to Linux uh, because uh, you know that's gaming, it'll introduce another uh, you know, provide a strong focus on a certain market on Linux, and that will attract more attention to Linux, so it'll get better and by extension, the GNU and free software guys. So good luck with that. Uh, speaking of Linux, uh, there I have come across a guide. That explains all the funkiness about the Linux file system hierarchy stuff. So if you ever wondered, uh, you know, what stuff goes into var and boot and dev and all those other weird root directories on a hard drive that uh, Linux uses, well, here's pretty much the guide for it. Uh, please note, though, that although this is kind of old, it is still incredibly incredibly useful and valid and still current. So, I uh, believe we m- I might have talked about this before on this podcast, but uh, uh, the whole idea about, you know, having, uh, you know, People posting data to your website is that it can be faked, and there can be you know someone on a completely different website, and you know sort of do some weird and bad things with JavaScript that allow uh, them to steal the cookie and session IDs of uh, of requests and you know important information about another website. Uh, it's called uh, CSRF or uh, cross-site request forgeries. Uh, the, like the basics of this is there's you know a malicious form or some JavaScript on some other website that uh, steals data uh, from yet another website. So you you can pretty much steal uh, cookies and account information and stuff, uh, but having a CSRF token of some sort uh, can mitigate this. And what it usually does is that the server, the uh, server that would otherwise be attacked, uh, will send the client some sort of token, and that token would then be uh, sent back. And if that doesn't match up, then uh, that request is uh, totally fake and not acted upon. Um, uh, pe- unfortunately this also requires some sort of server-side state uh, but apparently there is a way to get around that in that uh, the client uh, sends the token on the request URL the uh, the HTTP URL as like a query parameter. And also sets a cookie, uh, so that will uh, you know essentially uh, you know, eliminate any sort of server-side state, uh, which is uh, rather interesting. And uh, although I'm not sure if I will implement this myself on my blog, uh, but it's interesting to look at. So Kyle Drake wants to make wants to make the web fun again, uh, so he launched NeoCities. Uh this is exactly a pun on the name GeoCities, uh which was a huge website or slash service uh many years ago, like fifteen years ago, and it was pretty much uh the epitome of nineties web design. And you know, unfortunately people kind of abandoned the thing. Uh but uh and I think it in Uh, I think it might have been in 2009, 2010 or so, that Yahoo finally shut GeoCities down. Uh, But uh, apparently someone wants to do the same thing again, Uh, but in a modern uh, web context. So, you know, you can just uh, sign up and uh, put you know, all your GIFs, all your MIDI files and whatever, uh but you can also do, you know, plenty of other interesting things with you know Java you know static JavaScript, HTML pages, CSS, what have you. So go ahead and uh have fun with that. And uh he has also uh posted some reasons why in the ten megabyte manifesto. Um apparently in some point in the future that uh it'll go up to twenty, maybe even more so go ahead and uh, grab one while you can you know what's fun and can also be put on NeoCities? webgl at build uh, microsoft's uh, developer conference that was held a week or so ago it was released that ie11 uh, may actually support webgl uh, which is uh, pretty cool in that uh, it'll be a reversal of uh, Microsoft's previous statements that WebGL was a total security threat, uh, but apparently they've taken care of that or the standards address that or something. So, yeah, it might not suck this time. And I guess I shouldn't have said IE 11 because Internet Explorer 11 says don't call me IE. Uh, it has uh, a... Uh, revised user agent string. Uh, that's the uh, little piece of text that gets sent with every request that the browser makes uh, to any server anywhere identifying, hey, I'm Internet Explorer or hey, I'm Chrome or hey, I'm Firefox or whatever. Um, also, the uh, JavaScript or rather JScript or whatever they call it in Internet Explorer these days uh, the identifying s- strings in there uh, no longer say Microsoft Internet Explorer, but rather Netscape and Gecko, uh, which suggests that Internet Explorer wants to be more like Firefox, which is definitely a good thing. But apparently, it wants to be more like the standard, which is even better. Um, and also, uh, there's plenty of other JavaScript uh API changes uh, for Internet Explorer 11 as well. So, good going. Uh, um, So, uh, along with NeoCities, you could probably put your MIDI files on there too, as I may have suggested. Uh, But now you can play them natively in the the latest Chrome builds. So now hipsters can relive the 90s web all over again. And uh, there's even an example of... Uh, the APIs in JavaScript that you can use for this. So, yeah, apparently the uh, the web and JavaScript and all that are uh, really expanding. And it's uh, rather impressive. Uh, speaking of getting newer and better, uh, Squirrel's favorite browser, Opera, has finally released version 15, uh, powered by the Blink Engine. Uh, So you can go ahead and grab that right now. Uh, Available for Windows and Mac. I've uh, sort of looked around uh, for a Linux version. It doesn't seem like they'll be uh, doing a Linux version of this for a while. Now, as you may have recalled uh, back maybe two months ago now, uh, when Opera decided that uh, they would no longer uh, do their own engine, uh, presto, and would... uh, uh, essentially, base themselves off of Chromium, uh, which is the underlying open source project for Chrome. And you know, everyone was shouting about how this reduced the diversity of the web, and you know, reduced the competition in browsers. Uh, but that was uh, really muted by the fact that literally a week later, uh, Google said, "Fork you, WebKit," and decided to make their own engine, Blink. So uh, web diversity has sort of been restored by that. Uh, Speaking of Opera, uh, it now features people in wingsuits jumping off of mountains. So that's a rather interesting uh, marketing spin on that. Uh, Speaking of new spins on things, the Firefox logo is changing again, and I don't really like how it looks uh aside from one thing uh but we'll get to that a little bit later uh so they the whole idea was to make this a little bit simpler to uh make it be drawn in svg a little bit better and to have overall consistency of colors and uh apparently also to uh you know actually make you could actually draw it out with a css uh but I'm not sure because it looks like the fur on the firefox is a little bit more detailed and the colors overall look a little bit more muted uh than before. It looks flatter and the globe you can th- it there's less contrast of the blues on the globe uh which I sort of hate. Um personally I think I like the uh, uh the one from several years ago, uh the one from about 2005 or so. Um, you know, the good old days in my terms, I guess. Uh, the one thing that they changed that I do like is the sort of paw or arm of the Firefox has actually moved uh, to the foreground a little bit. Uh, so it actually looks like it's coming off of the back of the fox than the chest of the fox. Uh, but other than that, it's sort of not needed, I guess. So, yeah... Uh, Speaking of Firefox, uh, Tom's hardware has tested several browsers, uh, including Chrome 27, Firefox 22, Internet Explorer 10, uh, Opera, and Opera Next, which is now Opera 15, and it looks like uh, Firefox won, especially in uh, reliability, uh, startup times, WebGL games, and uh, having the least memory consumption. Uh, So, uh, it looks like Chrome is old and busted, and Firefox is the new hotness. Uh, So, uh, this uh, came out, uh, I believe it was two days ago, and I'm totally, I was totally expecting someone to come out and prove, oh, this is totally fake, and, you know, totally not real, they were bought off by Mozilla, blah blah blah, and all the other things that people say to discredit this uh but i really haven't seen anything like that um and i've kept my ear to the ground on this but i haven't uh seen anything like that so yeah it uh, looks like uh firefox is uh the best browser out there uh but it looks like the next version of chrome will finally have that uh blink engine uh, rather than being a sort of mix of webkit and whatever google put in there so have fun with that Speaking of speed and reliability and stuff, uh, Tech Empower has released the sixth edition of top web frameworks and their benchmarks and how fast they are and how, uh, you know, performant they are and, you know, what the latencies are of, uh, you know, various servers, uh, various frameworks, languages, and even operating environments. Uh, And, uh, personally, my favorite, uh, which is Java, uh, Java servlets, rather, uh, being a rather base uh, framework, if you will, and framework in sort of massive quotes. Um, it does very, very well uh, overall. Uh, unfortunately, my preferred database, uh, which is Postgres, is, is kind of bogs it down a little bit uh, when compared to MySQL, uh, but overall is uh, pretty fast. And a not bad choice. Uh, speaking of uh, Java development, Eclipse 4.3, a code named Kepler, has been released. Um, uh, personally, I haven't used uh, Eclipse for Java development in some time, uh, but pretty much every uh, job that I've been at, you know, in other words, places that pay me money to program, I've pretty much been stuck on Eclipse, uh, which. I mean, for an IDE, is not that bad, it's very extensible, uh, and is quite capable of doing whatever it is you need it to do. Um, so go ahead and uh, get that if you need it. And that is, I'm speaking of the integrated development environment and not the myriad of other things uh, that are called Eclipse, uh, to which uh, Ryan dropped in and chimed, there are other things called Eclipse other than some board game. Um, and apparently Wikipedia has pretty much all of the other things called Eclipse. So, you know, just for a little bit of clarification on that. Uh, so, it looks like, uh, it's past July 1st, and, uh, pretty much know what that means. It means that Google Reader has died. It has finally been taken behind the woodshed and shot, so, if you have any data in there, uh, make sure you get it out, uh, by July 15th, uh, by the Google Takeout mechanism. Uh, so Yahoo, uh, really wants to be like Google, so, uh, if you recall a few weeks ago, they were, uh, ending and killing some things, and now they're killing even more things, uh, like AltaVista. Uh, it was a search engine that was, uh, really popular, it was one of the first search engines uh, that Yahoo uh, inadvertently picked up when it bought some other company back in 2003 or so, and it essentially became a front end to Yahoo's own engine, uh, so it really doesn't uh, stand to profit of them just keeping this around for no good reason, uh, so they're killing it along with a few other things like Yahoo Access, uh, Yahoo Browser Plus, Citizen Sports, uh, Yahoo Web Player, Foxytunes, RSS Alerts, uh, Neighbors Beta. That's weird. Uh, Yahoo Stars India, uh, Yahoo Downloads Beta, Yahoo Local API, and Yahoo Term Extraction API. Uh, All of these have uh, rather varied uh, kill dates, uh, some of which have already uh, passed and gone. Uh, So, yeah, it seems like Yahoo, uh, not Yahoo, but uh, seems like Microsoft really wants to be like Google, too. So they are killing TechNet subscriptions. Uh, This is not to be confused with MSDN subscriptions, Uh, These TechNet subscriptions will end on August 31st, um, and subscribers may activate purchase subscriptions uh, through September 30th. Um, Apparently, the last day you can order them is August 31st. Um, Apparently, the TechNet subscriptions were for IT professionals that wanted to test things uh, for their companies and uh, make sure that everything worked in a corporate environment. Uh, which I'm not sure uh, what the uh, purpose of the MSDN subscriptions were, but it seems like that would uh, you know sort of be folded into the MSDN subscriptions. So yeah. Uh, meanwhile, um, Google continues to create things to kill. Uh, the latest is Quick UDP Internet Connections, or Quick. Uh, so, the idea of this is that uh, HTTP runs over the TCP transport protocol, and that requires a bunch of back-and-forth and a bunch of latency uh, uh, add-on to, you know, your web browsing experience. And the expense of creating a TCP connection is uh, sort of great, especially when you're on a cell phone or other mobile device. And you know where latencies can be rather high, uh, whereas UDP requires no such hand, handshaking, and is pretty much just a wild fire hose, uh, you know, spraying data all over. Uh, so Google has sort of taken advantage of this, and they're now trying to uh, shove web data and HTTP data over UDP, and that's what this Quick is. And, you know, I've sort of wondered why someone hasn't done anything like this before. Uh, so, this should, you know, speed up uh, a lot of internet uh, and web uh, data transmission and overall make your experience a, a lot more responsive. And that is responsive as in less lag. Um, and also, uh, I'd like to say that this is n- this is probably not hipster because "quick" is pronounceable and it uses vowels. Although it's spelled like "quick," as in fast, uh, but without the "k." And it turns out that uh, the uh, if you if you know about "Lorem Ipsum." It's the sort of filler text that uh, de- graphical designers and other uh, text setters and stuff like to use to demonstrate some kind of text. And it looks like Google uh, Google Translate, that is, actually has a translation uh, for Lorem Ipsum. And I'm pretty sure that this is all fake because Lorem Ipsum's point is just to be filler text, and, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything, um, even though it is based off of some, uh, Roman, uh, work, uh, which I can't recall off the top of my head, uh, because I don't read Latin, uh, nor do I watch TV, uh, and I'm pretty sure that most TV doesn't concern Latin either, uh, uh, speaking of things that uh, can't be discerned from something else, it seems like the NSA is unable to tell an American's emails from a foreigner's emails. And, uh, you know, this was sort of obvious that you can't exactly determine someone's citizenship uh, just by looking at their communications. Or just a random sample of their communications. Uh, which is sort of central and core to the uh, uh, to the NSA's thing of supposedly not reading Americans' communications, uh, but because of this, they definitely have. Uh, speaking of which, um, I come across a blog post uh, titled "Why Discussions on Cyber Snooping Have Been So Painful for Us as Non-U.S. Citizens." And, you know, it's basically, uh, you know, explaining how, uh, this guy has been betrayed by America. Um, you know, growing up on American TV, we all adopted pieces of U.S. culture. Uh, when we sided with, quote, the West, unquote, watching 80s Cold War movies, we were actually siding with the USA. And when we watched war movies, we desperately wanted, quote, our side, unquote, to win. We tear up, we tear up when an American president gives a rousing movie speech, and we cheer hard when the seals parachute in to save the day. We may not know our own anthem, but we all sing along to the Star Spangled Banner. This has traditionally worked out really well. We wear blue jeans, drink Coke, and eat at McDonald's. Uh, we favor American companies when we make purchases and we build successful tech companies. We try like hell to get them to Silicon Valley. Uh, But the recent leaks, and indeed their responses, wakes us us up with a jolt. Uh, Every time we hear, quote, we never spy on US citizens line, it's another reminder that we are not equal, and that even if we become citizens, our parents, siblings, and friends back home would still be fair game. Every C-SPAN clip we see reminds us that some of us are more equal than others. It was always true, but we were just blissfully ignorant. The leaks brings into issue sharp relief, and the national reaction to the leaks makes it clear that we don't belong. George Bush famously proclaimed, You're either with us or against us. He asked foreigners the world over to choose. The whole spell spying on foreigners says how we chose made little difference at all. So, yeah. Take that. Uh, So, instead, you use snail mail to bypass the NSA spying, so wait, wait, wait. Apparently, the US Postal Service is recording metadata on snail mail, too. Uh, So, apparently, they take pictures of every piece of mail going through their system, and they save it for who knows how long. And this has recently come to light uh, with a bookstore owner in Buffalo, New York. Uh, apparently he got a note in his mail and it was an apparently a, a message, you know, sort of belonging to the internal mail uh, employees uh, saying, Show all mail to supervisor for copying prior to going out on street. And the word confidential is highlighted on this card. And the guy apparently was uh, part of a Earth Liberation Front or something uh, that was uh, designated as an eco-terrorist group of the FBI. Uh, But this guy claims that he was never involved with any arsons or anything else. He was just an activist, a protester, and so forth. And he's just a guy who runs a bookstore uh, with a wife and a kid. He's not a terrorist. Uh, but you know how loose the word terrorist is applied these days. So, the U.S., uh, you know, the U.S. Postal Service, I thought they were going bankrupt, so why they're doing this for every piece of mail is beyond me. You know, I thought they were trying to save money. And they complain all the time that, you know, you know, we need to raise the price of a stamp. It's rather perpetual. Um, and, uh, about two years ago, the Department of Defense once declared that hacking was an act of war, uh, but recently they've been hacking and spying on everyone. It doesn't matter if it's China or, uh, any European country or wherever, it doesn't really matter, uh, because apparently we've been hacking all the things, and this is not anonymous. Uh, this is actual U.S. government going out and hacking governments and hacking foreign businesses and everywhere. So, I mean, this is, you know, sort of the kind of BS that, you know, the government says, but, uh, you know, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and we need to clean house. And, uh, I'm really glad that in the last election I voted for the other guy, the not incumbent, uh, because they're pretty much all rotten guys in Washington. Hello, NSA, how are you doing? <laughs> have some uh, appreciation to give out, uh, like EarthenVue. Uh, view, I think it was 4.36 was uh, released recently, and EarthenVue is a really small program uh, that allows you to view image files. Apparently it also supports audio and video as well, uh, but I pretty much use it for looking at images and JPEGs and stuff. It's one of those really fast, small uh, image viewers it uh, you know has capabilities to resize and uh, crop and a few other very basic uh, operations. It's not like GIMP, uh, but it is a lot smaller. Uh, it loads a lot faster, and uh, you know a few other things. Um, so go ahead and check this out. Uh, another awesome thing uh, that I. I uh, got actually it was quite a while ago, and uh, I only uh, used it this week uh, for a w- for the first time in a long time. But uh, have you ever went to some download site and you saw like uh, uh, f- the file hash right next to the download link? Uh, but you're on Windows and you don't have an easy Windowsy way to check them? Then check out HashTab. Uh, what this does is uh, have you ever looked at a file properties dialog uh, it'll put another tab on that dialog and when it sh- when it is shown it will calculate uh, a variety of hashing algorithms uh, on the selected file it support this uh, hash tab supports a wide variety of uh, hashing uh, algorithms and you can choose which ones get uh, done, uh, it will also monitor the clipboard for any hashes uh, uh copied onto it, and when it does, it will automatically try to match them against some hash that was calculated, uh, so if it matches any of them, it'll show you and tell you which one it is, uh, which is awesome, and uh Ryan thinks so too, and says it's the best plug ever. And it's much better than Microsoft's terrible recommendation of some command line. And, you know, some command line program is, you know, sort of, uh, cumbersome and difficult to work with. Uh, whereas if it's right on the file properties dialog, it's just right there. Um, like the easiest way to open up a, you know, a properties dialog is to alt double click. Uh, on the file so hold down alt and double click it or you can just you know alt and enter uh, on it as well and then you just click over to that tab and uh, you know depending on the size of the file uh, it'll hash it you know within a second or so um, unless you're hashing like a four gig dvd image or something it'll be really fast like one second or so so if you're on windows uh, check this out. Uh, speaking of Ryan, he ha- also sent in a lot of feedback. Um, uh, first off, starting with the uh, I shipped my pants, uh, he says that he thought that was Kmart's ad, uh, but it was pretty funny anyway. And I did that, uh, you know, that was exactly what I was referring to, uh, suggesting that I have other stores to get pants than just Walmart. Uh, Ryan says that Squirrel showed me Fallout New Vegas, but I didn't like it as much as he did, uh, just not uh, his sort of game. And I gotta say that New Vegas isn't really my kind of game either, uh, but it must have been good enough that I bought all the DLC for it at some point, point. and my policy for uh, downloadable content uh, is uh, get it on sale. Uh, so it must have been on sale, uh, probably like a steam summer or holiday sale or something. Um, so I've started a new character, um, because I played through it already. So I'm starting another character. It seems like my level 16 still cannot go up against Cazadores or Deathclaws yet. Uh, Cazadores being, uh, mutated, uh, wasps and, uh... Death claws are essentially giant lizards with huge sharp claws um, uh, by the way, this is a fallout game, so it is based on uh you know post World War two nuclear hysteria, except that the bombs actually went off uh, so there is uh you know everything's a wasteland, there's radiation everywhere, and you know a lot of bad stuff uh, but it seems like. Uh, New Vegas is not a post-apocalyptic game I've heard someone describe it as a post-post-apocalyptic game in the fact that everyone has stopped uh, crying over spilled nukes and is trying to rebuild society and civilization and all of that so uh, bottom line is I liked Fallout 3 a lot better Uh, but I'm giving this a try again um, Ryan says that it's f- that it's funny that he always wanted to know how to write a REST API the right way, and uh, you know it's I sort of recalls the time back when I first initially looked at REST and you know like RESTful uh, services, and you know I was kind of expecting some big bulky thing that you needed you know some huge library for. But it turns out that's not exactly the case. And, you know, I looked at it because, you know, I felt like it was something that I would have to know. And as it turns out, that it was epically shocking to realize that uh RESTful stuff was pretty much the way I would use HTTP, uh, except that uh, RESTful stuff was so much better and more extensively thought out than I ever could have done. And there was actually guidelines on how to construct Uh, restful services. Uh, Ryan says that one of the things that he learned in Journalism 101 is that sometimes the message is in the medium, but he agrees that there's a lot of focus on design on the web without much explanation on how to get there. Uh, Ryan agrees that he likes the idea of starting to localize uh, applications uh, starting with Canada uh, in addition to the U.S., and i Definitely agree to that. It's, you know, it's not an extreme case. Uh, but two languages in another place is pretty easy to deal with. So you have English in America, you have English in Canada, and you have French in Canada. So, you know, that provides, you know, the necessary combination, uh, to get things started. Uh, but if you, say, started uh, localizing things in Europe, you would have an almost combinatorial explosion of languages and places to deal with. Uh, because, you know, even though French is spoken in France, it's also done in Belgium, Luxembourg, and Switzerland. Uh, Germany is spoken in Germany, obviously, but also in the Netherlands uh, and also Luxembourg and Switzerland. Uh, so, there's, you know, just goes everywhere. Uh, and, you know, just doing North America, is, you know, sort of puts a restraint on that. Uh, Ryan thinks that restructuring at Microsoft will be good, but sadly it's being dictated by the root of the problem, Balmer himself. Uh, Ryan doesn't know, he just hopes that Microsoft survives. And all I've heard is that uh, the... Uh, I believe it was the head of their hardware division, or at least their Xbox division, has gone off to Zynga, uh, which is like an actual game uh, developer company. And other than that, I haven't really heard anything solid, but uh, I will talk about it when I do hear something. Uh, Ryan asks for some impressive database knowledge and example of that, please. Uh, Well, Chris said that, and Chris is not here. So you're not getting anything. Uh, Ryan thought that I would say, I, but I'm sorry to say that governments can't be trusted. Uh, Ryan, uh, apparently where Ryan lives, uh, people don't smile at the police because they're legally about to mug you for doing absolutely nothing uh, other than public grilling, he says. Uh, well, I have a funny story. Apparently a University of Virginia student uh was just going about her business and uh you know she went into some store uh she bought uh apparently she bought a pack of water along with a couple of other things and you know she goes back out and apparently she was with a bunch of her sorority sisters and uh so she's you know walking out to her car when she sees uh like seven or so people start running after her And, you know, being, uh, you know, at night, uh, you're supposed to, you know, run away when a lot of people try to run at you. Um, Apparently, these guys got to her, uh, I believe it was her SUV, I think it says here, and started, you know, pounding on the windows and stuff. And, you know, she's fumbling around with the keys. She finally uh, puts it in there. And uh, when she does that... Uh, you know, the people outside start saying, you know, uh, don't start the car, don't go, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, she says that one of them, uh, drew a gun. And her, uh, roommate or something, uh, was in the passenger seat and said, go, go, go. And she just, you know, tears off. Uh, and it was maybe a minute later or so, she gets pulled over on the side of the road and was informed that those are actually uh undercover agents, and that she's actually ran she's actually uh you know ran from the police uh, she profusely apologizes uh but she still sent you know spends a night in jail and this is all because those uh agents thought that she was carrying a pack of beer in uh instead of you know that pack of water that she bought. And, you know, she's 20, but, uh, you know, thankfully the prosecutor, you know, sort of realized that it's not exactly a good idea to prosecute this. This was just a huge misunderstanding. Uh, apparently she had, uh, swiped, uh, or rather injured, uh, two of those officers as she was pulling away. And, uh, plus the charge of running from police, which was which are apparently all felonies. Um, but apparently all charges were dropped and, uh, you know, the prosecutor stood by the agent's decision to file those charges. Uh, but, you know, he just obviously could not go forward with this. Um, so yeah, apparently you have nothing to hide, um... She didn't have nothing to hide, but she got assailed by the police anyway. Um, and she was just lucky that the prosecutor in this case, uh, you know, actually realized what was going on and this was a horrible misunderstanding. Um, Ryan asks, did you hear about the April Fool's joke about the two radio station DJs slash hosts that said the water supply had massive amounts of H2O, uh, also known as dihydrogen monoxide? Um, that is apparently dangerous. Uh, apparently police stormed the building and arrested for kinda sorta terrorism or something like that. Um, which, you know, <sighs> People aren't exactly scientists, and when they are faced with something that sort of sounds like science, and people say that it's dangerous, and, like, it's everywhere, uh, people can get rather upset and, uh, you know, do irrational things, Um, but, uh, yeah, don't talk about water, apparently unless there's something really wrong with it, uh, like apparently it catches fire. Uh, Ryan liked the point where I evil laughed and then coughed, and I will definitely be saving that once for the soundboard. Uh, Ryan would like to point out uh, uh, about the trash can Mac Pro that Apple is the same company that has historically been obsessed with cubes. He also mentions that... uh, displays back 20 years ago that were 17 inches, uh, he can now have on his phone at four and a half inches, uh, but with color. Uh, but apparently that's a 20-year technology gap. Uh, Ryan uh, says that it thought it was Andrew who did the schoolgirl voice, uh, but apparently Chris did a nice job. And I, I know that I go off and... Uh, you know, just do crazy voices all the time, Um, I'm pretty sure that I don't have one that's a schoolgirl. You know, it's just all, you know, I'm a man of many voices, but I'm pretty sure that I don't call any of them a schoolgirl. But if I ever listen to uh, that particular episode again, I may take note of it. Uh, That seems to be it, Uh, but if you have a question, comment, or want to be a guest, uh, please uh, use the contact function on the Nexus.tv. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so back up everything every day. Or pretty much everything every day. And, uh, yep, Uh, so I hope you're doing Okay. Uh, hope you stay safe. And, uh, hi, Mom! So, uh, guess that's it. Uh, guess I'll just be, uh, chilling out here for the 4th of July. Um, uh, my company was nice enough that, uh, we had pizza today. Uh, so that's great. And I'll probably be working from home on Friday, so that's even better. Um... just apparently I'm just going to be reading a lot of documentation about some sort of payment gateway Uh, fun stuff I know so I guess that's it so uh, have a good one